Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Allington, the host of Uncommon Law. So earlier this summer, we released a series about social media and tech platforms, all about the concerns people were having, everything from does social media pose an existential threat to humanity, to our companies like Amazon and Google monopolies, who we need to break up. We also looked at issues like free speech and content moderation, all of the big topics that regular people and policymakers were trying to wrap their heads around in the wake of the January 6th attack on the Capitol. So fast forward to now. In recent days, The Wall Street Journal published a series of articles based on leaked documents called the Facebook Files, which present quite a damning portrait of a company who knows precisely how damaging its platforms can be, most notably Facebook and Instagram, but chose instead to ignore or downplay its own internal information because it would hurt engagement on its platforms and therefore profits. And then on Sunday, a new development, the source of those documents went on CBS's 60 Minutes and identified herself publicly as Frances Haugen, a former data scientist who worked for Facebook for about two years from 2019 to May of this year. So we decided to add a special episode to our social media series, which we called Unchecked, by bringing in Naomi Nix. Naomi is a reporter for Bloomberg News covering social media companies here in Washington, D.C. Naomi, thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having me. So obviously, Naomi, the big news over the weekend, as I said, the Facebook whistleblower came forward in an interview with 60 Minutes and identified herself. So could you just tell me a little bit about who she is and what we know about her? Sure. Her name is Frances Hagen. She was a product manager at Facebook, particularly in charge of misinformation on the platform. And she was recruited by Facebook in 2019 had wanted to take the job uh, to tackle misinformation on the platform because she saw a friend of hers really get wrapped up in online conspiracy theories. And so she thought, wow, I can actually be part of the solution. And you know, over the course of, of a couple of years at Facebook, she said that she basically saw repeated instances of Facebook um, essentially putting its profit motives over uh, the interest of the general public. And so, um, yeah, towards the end of her time there, she copied thousands of pages of documents and and decided to disseminate them. Right. And in this interview, she's sort of unsparing in her criticism of Facebook. In the 60 Minutes interview, she goes as far as to say that Facebook's more dangerous than anybody knows and is getting worse and can't be expected to fix itself. So, this isn't mincing words. The thing I saw at Facebook over and over again was there were conflicts of interest between what was good for the public and what was good for Facebook. And Facebook over and over again chose to optimize for its own interests, like making more money. You know, she, one of the central claims she's making is that she thinks that it took, it was going to take outside oversight from say lawmakers, um, or other regulators to force Facebook to change its ways. It could not be something that happened within. And she said she saw other people who thought they could tackle it from the inside. And they, I think the quote she had was ground themselves into the ground. that They just couldn't get it done. And she considered herself a member of that club. Um, and so, 
her interview was pretty, pretty darn damning. So one difference that I see in this whistleblower case compared to previous concerns people have had about, say, hate speech or antitrust and so forth is just all the documents that Haugen collected. You know, she has the receipts to prove exactly what Facebook knew and how they painted a very different portrait than what the company was saying publicly. Yeah, well, maybe it's important to kind of just just take a minute and 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 kind of re- talk about like what the documents say. Um, and so they're they were the subject of a recent series in the Wall Street Journal that that, that the newspaper is calling the Facebook Files. Um, and they really so the overarching theme is Facebook knows more about its internal problems than it has previously let on, and it's been a little bit misleading about that. And it's sort of, it, that point is made in several areas. So like one of them, for instance, is how the platform treats high profile users like politicians, elite journalists, celebrities. Um, previously, the company had said that they had this sort of internal uh, program called Crosscheck uh, that kind of essentially um, prevents content enforcement, uh, protect prevents those accounts from being suspended or or punished in any way if they break their sort of moderation rules. Um, And the company had said, oh, that's only applied in like a small number of cases. They had told its oversight board that. And it turns out there's like actually millions of people um, in this program. And so that it was larger than they had previously went on. You know, the company um, had previously often, when talking about the mental health impact of uh, its apps, particularly Instagram, the company would always defer to what is admittedly conflicting outside research on that. They say, wow, the research mixed, you know, there might be some ways that hurts kids, but it really helps kids. Um, when in fact, they had internal research that showed that really vulnerable kids, kids are, who in particular are having um, a tough time um, are already feeling bad about themselves, that their mental health definitely declines because of Instagram. You know, we saw similar revelations about sort of human trafficking on the platform and political polarization. And so the main takeaway here is, um, you know, that, that many sort of lawmakers are liking it to a kind of a big tobacco moment where they're saying Facebook, like the big tobacco companies, has all this internal research about Uh, It's negative effects, and it's covering it up. You know, another thing that struck me as pretty novel here was that Ms. Haugen's attorneys filed, I think, eight separate complaints with the SEC, alleging that this is a case where investors in a public company weren't being given the whole picture. What do you think about that? Is it a stretch to say that Facebook was willfully misleading shareholders? Yeah, I mean, look, so the SEC will have to determine, you know, whether what she, um, you know, what she uncovered was supposed to be material to investors in the company and that they should have disclosed, but they didn't. Um, I think the other sort of, and so that's, that's an open question, right? We haven't, there's very few people who've seen all of the thousands of pages of documents that she's uncovered. Um, but I think, you know, we should be looking out for the SEC to be um, perhaps pursuing something along those lines. Um, I think what the SEC also helps her, um, they have a whistleblower protection program. Um, and so um, going to the SEC 
affords her some credibility when she did something that was honestly uh, relatively risky for her. She took pages <laughs> um, away out of the company um, and a lot of them and created a firestorm. So um, that's no small thing for her. And I think her having conversations with an, you know, multiple regulators on multiple fronts, be it Congress, be, be it the SEC, be it others, um, offers her some protection. So the other thing that jumped out, at least to me, were questions about the impact social media has had on our democratic institutions. Ms. Haugen said that the company rolled back emergency measures that had been put in place before the election, which then exacerbated the events that led to the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. That basically the company's profit structure is so dependent on the amplification of things like hate speech or divisive political rhetoric that it just can't let go. No, it's 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 true. And that's something we kind of knew. Like we kind of already knew that the algorithm on Facebook rewards content that's emotional, that's designed to get you engaged. And what's designed to get you engaged? What's designed to inspire emotion from you? Anger. Anger is the, the, the easiest way to get that happen. So how, what's the sort of ripple effect? Well, if you're a politician running a political campaign and Facebook's a really good tool for that, particularly because of the way it allows you to target particular users, particular um, communities in, in certain locations, um, you're gonna post content that's gonna incite anger. You're gonna post content that makes the other person the bad guy you're going to post content that essentially kind of effectively creates a political war because that's what's going to get you traction. That's what's going to get you engagement on the platform and the company's um, underlying algorithms and systems reward you for that. Of course, from a regulatory standpoint, trying to parse out what's hate speech versus political speech is a really hard thing to do legislatively. But there were also other documents that highlighted other problems. For instance, an internal company study that showed Instagram harms teenage girls. I think it said something like 13.5% of teen girls say Instagram makes thoughts of suicide worse. And 17% of teen girls who said the platform makes eating disorders worse. So are any of these things new areas that regulators may have enough traction to actually move forward with potential rules or regulations? Well, I think this is the biggest scandal for Facebook since Cambridge Analytica. Um, but, and I think, I think the, that is both um, good news and bad news for Facebook. On the one hand, I think some of the sort of political structural barriers that have prevented Washington from getting its act together to actually pass tech regulations remain in place. Um, Washington, you know, is, is in a, an impasse over the debt ceiling. If it can't tackle something like that, you know, will it be will it be able to agree to get on the same page enough to tackle um, regulation to respond to this crisis? However, having said that, I I think um, you know what we're seeing in in Congress right now is some interesting bipartisan agreement around the subject of kids. So other content moderation challenges in the tech industry, like um, whether uh, politicians should get a free pass on tech platforms because they're, what they say is newsworthy compared to, you know, those on the left who say um, that some of some content by, say, Trump was, was in fact dangerous. This issue of, like, whether kids 
um, are being harmed by Instagram, which is one of the revelations that has surfaced in Francis's um, documents has gotten, has attracted bipartisan interest. So the Republicans are concerned about it and their Democrats are concerned about it. And when you have that kind of bipartisan unity, that actually means that there is some potential here um, for things in Washington to move. I think the question will be, will they get it done? And, and is any regulation that they pass or any laws that they pass will really actually address the underlying issue um, that Facebook has? Naomi, you've been covering social media companies for a while, and most of us who have have seen other moments where Facebook's been in the spotlight before, and Mark Zuckerberg gets hauled up to Capitol Hill to explain himself. But, you know, at the end of the day, not much changes. And some of these allegations that Haugen is making are things that many people may have already assumed to be true already. So... I guess, to what extent do you see this really changing the discussion going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think the political polarization, part of it is tricky, right? Um, so, so, so I'll say there's some areas in which Democrats and Republicans are going to have a slightly different perspective on. And there are some areas in which there's going to be some synergy. So the areas where they might have a different perspective on is you're probably not going to hear as much from Republicans about Facebook's role and in encouraging the January 6th riots at the Capitol. That's something that Democrats in an earlier hearing um, earlier this year really honed in on um, when Mark Zuckerberg appeared last before Congress and you just didn't hear as much about it from Republicans, right? Um, hate speech might be another. Uh, I, I think there tends to be some disagreement among liberals and conservatives about what constitutes hate speech, right? Um, some, you know, there's some on the right who feel that social conservatives in particular, those who have more conservative views on things like gay marriage, uh, the acceptance of the transgender community, um, you know, are, are, tend to think that the platforms over moderate. And then there's going to be some on the left who think that they don't moderate enough. Um, in the name of hate speech. Um, but I think there's some areas in which um, the, the, we can see some agreement. So one is, is just children. Um, so, you know, we have Democrats and Republicans, Marsha Blackburn and, 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 and you know, Senator Marsha Blackburn, the Republican, Senator um, Richard Blumenthal, uh, a Democrat have really come together on this issue on kids. Um, and that's, that's actually the main subject of the hearing uh, tomorrow. So I think we should expect to see a lot more synergy between Democrats and Republicans on the subject of how do, what do we do to protect our kids online? And what does Facebook know about how it's affecting kids online? And what's it, you know, what, what can Washington do about it? So we should expect to hear questions around privacy, like should the, could they get together on a privacy law um, that sort of perfect or, or protects kids' personal data. Um, maybe, uh, you know, there's sort of restricted advertising, maybe um, more restrictions posed on like, what kinds of content can be promoted? Should diet fads on Instagram uh, be promoted? Should it be um, so focused on celebrities seemingly perfect lives while 13 year olds who you know, are going through a tough time, um, wish it were them, right? So it, I, I think that the, that's where we could expect to see agreement. Now, whether they get a law, they're kind of talking about updating the sort of a law called COPA, which protects kids online. Um, so we could see perhaps a movement there, but Congress doesn't have a good track record on passing privacy legislation. 
So we'll see. Naomi, obviously you'll be watching the Senate hearing on Tuesday, but is there anything else that you're keeping your eye on going forward? Yeah, I would say this is not the end of, the, a lot of times the big congressional hearing with the star witness um, is seen as like sort of the culmination moment because um, it's, you know, the footage is often played on the nightly news and, and recycled. And, and I would say in this case, this is sort of a unique moment where actually the star witness is kind of just at the beginning, right? It very much seems like there's more to come perhaps more revelations, just given the fact that there are so many documents in the hands of, of powerful people. Um, and I think we should be on the lookout for more revelations about Facebook's inner work. Naomi Nix is a reporter for Bloomberg News covering social media companies. Naomi, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for having me. And that is where we're going to leave the discussion for today. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, we have other episodes exploring these questions about potential regulation on social media platforms, as well as big tech companies generally. So if you haven't heard those episodes, I sincerely urge you to go back and give them a listen. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by myself, Adam Allington. Josh Block is the executive producer of Bloomberg Industry Group Podcasts. My name is David Schultz, and I'm here to announce On the Merits, a new podcast from Bloomberg Law that brings you everything you need to know about the biggest legal stories of the week, coupled with smart interviews and analysis on a variety of topics, such as the incoming Biden administration's judicial priorities. So I think diversity is, is kind of the watchword here. We'll also keep our eyes on the Supreme Court. Now everyone is on Breyer watch. We're all watching to see when or if Justice Breyer is going to step down. You'll hear voices and perspectives from across the legal industry, including reporters and editors, attorneys, legal scholars, general counsel. But lest you think this podcast is all just news you can use, from time to time we stumble on a court docket or legal opinion that, for whatever reason, just piques our interest. And he started this opinion, 224th of it, citing the Passchendaele battle is one of the largest battles of World War One. Um, that seems like a strange way to start off an opinion on corporate law. You can download On the Merits wherever you get your podcasts.